Hey everyone, and welcome to the Product Marketing Life Podcast, brought to you by the Product Marketing Alliance. I'm your host, Marcusini, Product Marketing Manager at Jobber. As part of this series, I'm chatting with PMMs all over the world about a product marketing topic of their choice. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Rachel Lambert, co-founder and VP of Product Marketing at Olivine. Rachel's held a variety of product marketing-related roles throughout her career. In fact, she was one of the first product marketers to join Intercom in its early years. Since then, Rachel's launched Olivine Marketing, a full-stack product marketing agency that helps growth-stage B2B SaaS companies with product marketing strategy, bringing in websites, as well as sales enablement. They also have two sister brands, Olivine Films, which produces cinematic high-impact marketing videos, and the Founders Marketing Playbook, which is their self-service strategy program for early-stage founders. During our chat, Rachel and I discussed how product marketing can change across different companies, depending on their stage, as well as their industry. We also talked about what it's like running a product marketing-focused agency and how it differs from running product marketing in-house, and why a company might choose to partner with an agency like Olivine versus launching the function internally. But before we get into my conversation with Rachel, I've got some exciting news from the Product Marketing Alliance to share with you. Are you wondering how to align the product marketing function at your organization? Do your internal teams have little or no understanding of what product marketing is and the benefits you bring to the fore? Are you sick of being misunderstood? Product Marketing Alliance's brand new book, Misunderstood, features firsthand knowledge, techniques, and case studies to help you demystify product marketing, elevate the function, and gain the recognition you and fellow PMMs deserve. Learn how to effectively communicate the value you bring to key processes such as positioning, personas, segmentation, OKRs, and gain supplementary intel from the likes of Privy, G2, Hotjar, Intercom, Zendesk, Adobe, and Drift. Misunderstood is packed with takeaways that will propel the value of your role and the overall importance of the PMM function, and it isn't to be missed. Get your copy at pmmalliance.co slash misunderstood. All right, with that out of the way, let's get into it. Hey, Rachel, how's it going? Hey, hey, Mark. Thanks for having me. That's great. Thanks for being here. I really appreciate you joining me today, and I'm super excited to chat with you. Yeah, me too. It should be fun. Awesome. So before we get into it, it'd be great if you could give our listeners uh, a quick overview of your career so far up to where you are now with Olivine. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. So I started my career in finance. I studied finance and economics in college, and I worked in the finance industry for six years before uh, moving from Boston to San Francisco. I joined a tech startup called Sauce Labs. I was a finance manager there. Really did not enjoy finance. Uh, was not particularly good at it. Uh, early in my career, I thought that that was just being an adult in life and you just hated your job and just suck it up and get over it. But um, while I was at Sauce Labs, I was kind of seeing what other people were doing, was really interested in marketing. I've always been really creative and a great writer. So I started to gravitate towards that. Um, there was a CMO at Sauce who was moving on to a different company and he invited me to join him as a marketer and just get my feet wet, figure out what was what, very general marketing, no specific uh, area of expertise. Uh, it was a doom to fail. We all got laid off pretty soon after. And I was afraid I'd have to go back to finance because I'd only been in marketing for six months. But I kind of threw a Hail Mary and I had heard about this new startup that seemed pretty hot called Intercom. And they had a product marketing role open. So despite being laid off, I put all my eggs in one basket and only applied to that job, which probably wasn't wise, but luckily it worked out. Uh, I got the job there. 
and uh, was on a really talented group team of product marketers at Intercom for three years. I launched uh, two products, Operator, which is the bot in the Messenger, and then um, the Help Center Articles product. After that, I tried going a little bit back to my roots and was the head of marketing at a fintech startup, but just wasn't a great fit. Um, so I kind of went rogue and started freelancing on my own and ended up making more money and really liking grocery shopping during the day when everyone was at work. So I stuck with that for a while. And then um, my co-founder of Olivine, Ashley Wilson, her and I met in 2012 at Sauce Labs. She'd been freelancing as well. And we joined forces to form Olivine. Started out with just her, me, and designers, a couple of designers, and now we're a team of 17 people all over the world. That's incredible. I always find the journeys that, you know, the guests that I have on the show go through. I've had a couple mention that, you know, they started in industries like finance or accounting and they've made the switch. And what I find so fascinating is what skills they find they're able to leverage and translate into the world of product marketing. So I'm curious. When you, even in the first six months, uh, you mentioned at uh, Sauce Labs and then ultimately at Intercom, were there any skills you were able to pull back on from your time in finance that you found really helped you and, and really helped you, you know, progress as quickly as you did? Totally. Yeah. I mean, product marketers all come from different backgrounds. When I was emceeing the Product Marketing Alliance conference, I always asked this and I got amazing answers. One person was even a firefighter before and I was like, whoa, that is epic. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think finance translates more than one might think, like very analytical, really comfortable looking at data, um, pricing strategy that came in handy, really, and also just tying my work and, and my value to business goals and really caring about re driving revenue and driving growth. Um, you know, sometimes marketing can be a little wishy-washy, um, and so I think, you know, leaders really appreciate my kind of revenue oriented mindset. And then just project management and dealing with lots of different people. Product marketers have a lot to do and they, they have to have a lot of influence because they don't usually have a lot of direct reports. So being able to project manage big projects that have a lot of dependencies, um, I think that translates super well to product marketing. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. And I'm, I'm curious what it was like starting I guess not necessarily starting from day one, but being very early on in your product marketing career at a company like Intercom that now is huge. I think almost every product marketer at some point has come across Intercom if they're not an active customer themselves. What was it like being part of that team in the early days, if you would mind sharing? Oh, it was exhilarating and humbling. Everyone there was incredibly smart. Uh, yeah, I came in really wide-eyed and, and really eager to learn. Um, I've gotten to the point in my finance career where it felt like I should know things. People would come to me if I didn't know the answer, I'd be like, yeah, I'm busy, I'll get back to you. Um, but since I was coming into marketing, you know, as a beginner and everyone knew that I didn't, I didn't hide that, um, I really dropped my ego and just took a learner's mindset and was just like, I don't know what that is. Please tell me what that is. And really tried to learn as much as I could. Um, and the team was incredible. I mean, a bunch of the PMMs that worked there came from, you know, my, my boss at the time, he'd come from Atlassian. After he left Intercom, he went to Loom. I had PMMs from New Relic. I mean, really impressive people. 
Um, so learned a lot from them and we were a pretty tight-knit crew, really small team, um, especially early days at product at Intercom. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was humbling and invigorating all at the same time. It was a great experience. Um, I really loved working at Intercom and I would totally do it all over again. It was probably the best learning experience of my life. Yeah, that's that's really great to hear. And you know, I feel like a lot of product marketers, as they start out as these uh, new teams, smaller teams, more agile teams, like you said, having that kind of learning mentality only helps you accelerate your growth, not just within that company and your career that much faster. So, um, I'm sure the experience that you had in Intercom is one that a lot of product marketers have, you know, experienced themselves or actively pursue. Um, I know that's something that I myself have looked to pursue in my current role. And it's definitely paid off in a lot of ways already in the short amount of time that I've been with my current team. Um, so yeah, I think that's a, a, a great approach. And you picked a great company to start with. Intercom, like I said, is, is pretty massive at this point. So hats off there. Yeah. So aside from, like you mentioned, the ability to go grocery shopping in the middle of the day and, and take care of things while everybody else is working, I'm curious, what was the inspiration behind Olivine? I mean, I personally never come across an agency so focused on product marketing like Olivine is. Was there a moment, was there a specific, you know, gap in the market that you identified that made you realize, hey, this is something that we could really make a go of and could turn into a fully fledged agency and, and employ a, a good sized team? Yeah, I mean, I really credit that to Ashley Wilson, um, the OG co-founder of Olivine. Uh, she, after her time at Sauce Lab, she was kind of doing independent uh, marketing consultant for developer tools in the developer space. And it was really deep product marketing, really needing to understand the product um, and translate that to, into value for prospects and, and customers. And so she, she was already kind of down that road. And then my experience at Intercom, just when I started freelancing, I was very specific about what kind of freelancing I was going to be doing. It was going to be product marketing. And we just really got a lot of, have had a lot of success there. I think there's a million branding agencies and ad agencies, and, you know, we're very specific about what we do and what we don't do. And when people reach out to us wanting, and it sounds like they want more generic marketing campaigns or demand gen stuff, we're like, hey, sorry, we don't do that. Um, but if you want positioning, messaging, pricing strategy, you want to launch a product and make a big splash, you want to start moving to solution selling and train your sales team, you know, we're, we're the ones for you. But yeah, we're just very specific and that's kind of perpetuated itself. And we tend to attract really product focused, product first companies. Um, and we only work in the B2B SaaS space, so we don't do any consumer products. You know, as, as someone who myself has spent some time in the agency world, I too couldn't agree that there are millions of branding and ad agencies out there. And it seems like a lot of them try, to your point, do kind of everything for everyone. And I can imagine that why part of why Olivine's been so successful is because you have been so focused. I mean, I think it's incredible that you've been able to say, hey, we're only going to work with B2B SaaS companies. We're going to be hyper-focused on product marketing and you're not afraid to turn away clients who might not necessarily fit with what you want to do. And I think that's really refreshing in the agency world, um, especially agencies, um, when they start out, they just want to get as many clients as possible, even if it's not necessarily the best fit. So I applaud you for that. And it obviously speaks to the success that, you know, Olivine has experienced so far so early on in its, in its, uh, in its life. Yeah. I mean, we've been lucky too. And I, I kind of, my first hint of when product marketing was really going to 
become a thing, which I feel like it's become a thing recently um, in the past five years or so. When I was at Intercom, we all had to write a quarterly blog post. It was just a requirement from the content marketing team to help that SEO engine and whatnot. And I didn't really think much about it, but I wrote about my experience of launching the Help Center product. And the whole premise of the piece was how product marketing helps build product. And it's basically about trying to find that unique differentiated story in the market when you can't win on features. And can you, like, how do you go to market with that? And how does the story influence what you build and whatnot? Anyway, the for many years, the, the blog post ranked number one in Google search for the term product marketing. And I was just like, whoa, like A, people are really interested in this, but there's not a lot going on in this space. The fact that like me, some like new, you know, two year in product marketer can rank number one. Now, granted, much smarter people have come along and written content and now that ranks, but um, that was kind of my first like hint into like, oh, there's something here. And not to say it went viral in the sense of, you know, a consumer space, but like in the small world of Silicon Valley B2B SaaS, it did pretty well. And so that was my first kind of hint um, that it was doing well. And yeah, I think, product-focused companies, they really want their marketing team to understand their product and be able to translate that into value. And, you know, sometimes brand agencies or ad agencies, they just don't take the time or they don't have the technical expertise to understand it. Yeah, it's, it's funny you bring up the, the quarterly blog post at Intercom because it's actually one of those blog posts that you wrote where I came across your profile for the first time. And then I came uh, across you again on LinkedIn as someone, I think it might've been, uh, you know, a third degree or second degree connection had, had shared a post that you had written um, with Olivine. And yeah, so, you know, even to this day, those posts are still, I'm sure generating a lot of buzz and awareness for you, which is great. I had no idea that that writing that blog post was going to help me eat for a really long time when I wrote <laughs> it, but that's how I landed my first freelancing clients is people would kind of follow the Twitter link or find me on LinkedIn and reach out. And that's how I, but yeah, when I was writing it, I had no idea that that would like feed me for a long time. Well, there you go. To all the product marketers, myself included, who moan about, you know, being targeted as a glorified blog post writers, you know, suck it yeah. up, do it. Look at how well it could turn out for you in the long term. Totally. Totally. So on the, on the topic of Olivine a little bit more, cause I just find this, you know, part of, again, this, merging of two worlds that I've very much been exposed to with product marketing and, and agencies. I'm curious, what in your mind, in your perspective, are the benefits for a B2B SaaS company in working with an agency like yours, as opposed to maybe bringing in product marketing in-house, especially if they are still uh, very early on in their own um, development as an organization? What are some of the reasons why working with an agency like yours would be the way to go? Totally. Yeah, you know, it's not for everyone. I've had a few people being like, whoa, I would never in a million years outsource like the most strategic marketing to an agency. And like, I totally get that. Um, that said, uh, we have an incredible team of people who've worked at some of the top companies. I've worked at Intercom. We have people who've worked at Salesforce, Zendesk. Um, we really get to see, because we aren't in-house long-term, we really get to see how product marketing is done and what works and what doesn't across a ton of different companies and industries. Um, and we've worked with, you know, early stage to IPO. We've had two publicly traded clients, um, ServiceNow and now Heartland. And um, we, we worked a lot in the growth stage, uh, companies like Envoy, Gladly, Eventbrite, um, Diligent hired, you know, we've 
we have experience in-house and through Olivine at a lot of different stages. And then across a bunch of different industries too. So we've worked specifically a lot in the developer tool space and the analytics fintech space and some other like workplace technology spaces. You know, so we can kind of help companies bring in some fresh frameworks and some best practices that we just know work because we've been doing it and seeing them for a long time. And so that's one. Um, another one is hiring is really freaking hard. I mean, you know, we've been working with companies where they're like, okay, we're just going to work with you for a little bit until we, you know, hire our first product marketer. And then a year later, they haven't placed a team. And you're like, good thing we were here getting something done because hiring is just very time consuming. Oh yeah. And the last thing I was going to add is some fresh eyes to challenge the status quo of your company and some of the thoughts that, you know, you kind of get in these ruts about, this is, this is who we are, this is how we're positioning ourselves, this is how we're messaging ourselves. Um, and so sometimes an outside voice can really bring people to the table with kind of a neutrality. Um, and so we can kind of, yeah, bring some fresh eyes, challenge things, drive some alignment. Sometimes, you know, even just a matter of like, okay, this is what you're saying, this is what we think you mean. Is that what you mean? And they're like, no. Like, okay, well, we're gonna have to rewrite that. <laughs> Um, so yeah, just kind of getting people out of their own ruts and especially with early stage companies, you know, a lot of messaging or positioning just came from like a CEO fever dream where they're like, they had a dream and they woke up the next morning, they're like, this is our new pitch deck. And they're very excited about it. <laughs> but it's like, you know, there is a formula to a lot of this stuff. And sure, we, you know, everyone needs to add their own like secret sauce and magic to it. But a lot of this stuff has been tried and true and we can expose, expose our clients to it. I love that idea of the CEO fever dream. I feel like a lot of product marketers have probably lived that experience. So I'm sure that resonates a lot. So many. I've seen so many. And I'm curious, of the clients that you've had so far, or maybe ones even that you've uh, come across in, in early conversations to partner with, have you worked with clients where they've already got an in-house product marketing team or at least one product marketer and they're just looking for that additional support that for whatever reason, they're just not able to, to find in-house? Totally. Yeah. I mean, sometimes companies have a product marketer, but they're just one person and the product marketer really wants some mentorship or coaching or just like a sounding board. It's not that they, you know, need a mentor per se, but just a sounding board to kind of, yeah, figure out if you feel crazy or not. Um, another thing is just muscle, like pure muscle execution, you know, data sheets and battle cards and product landing pages and sales pitch decks when you're trying to go verticalize or you're selling solution selling, you know, that stuff's time consuming. Um, and yeah, you can have people pitch in from across the org, but sometimes you just need a little bit of muscle. Um, but oftentimes we come in and um, there isn't a, a product marketer. They're just starting out their marketing and they've decided astutely, I might add, to start with product marketing. Um, so that's wise. But then we've also worked with, you know, big companies. I mean, ServiceNow, we worked with them, publicly traded company. They decided to launch and spin off a totally new brand and product and just hadn't been able to build that in-house team, even though they had lots of smart product marketers and marketing people under the main ServiceNow brand. So we just helped them execute that. Um, other times, like VPs of product marketing are going on maternity leave and they just need someone to come in and, and help help keep things organized and humming while they're gone. And have you found for the most part that those product marketers or product marketing teams have been pretty receptive to working with an outside agency? Because I know in my own experiences, not 
often, but in some cases there are some friction or some friction can arise yeah. between the in-house team and the agency team, especially if a lot of those um, skill sets or responsibilities overlap. Yeah, I mean, totally. That that happens. I mean, like politics is two people in a room, but usually the way we kick things off is we do a series of workshops that bring people from across the company. And I, I like to think that we prove our value pretty quickly where we're introducing new concepts or we're getting scratching under the surface or getting to a solution that they haven't been to before. And they're like, okay, then they kind of thaw out. Um, I find sometimes like sales and product people are a little more untouchable. They're just like busy and they're like, who are these people? And like agencies have terrible reputations. You know, like they're like, don't want to talk to an agency. Um, but I will say, you know, we have a lot of example work on our website and we've all worked at pretty impressive companies. So I think that helps. It definitely hard to break in at the beginning if you were just starting an agency or just starting a freelance from, you know, cold, but we've been at it for a little while. So I think it's getting easier. For sure. And yeah, like you said, I feel like everybody at some point has either heard a story about a bad experience with an agency or has been burned by an agency themselves. And unfortunately, like you said, because there's so many of them, they're just the yeah. chances of that happening are, are higher than I think a lot of agencies would like to admit. And sometimes I get blindsided by it because I actually have never worked with an agency. So even though I run an agency, which is kind of dumb, I guess, but when I was at Sauce Labs, I worked in finance and Ashley was the head of marketing and she dealt with all the agencies. So, you know, I paid them, but I didn't interact with them. And then by the time I got to Intercom, Intercom was like very strict, no agencies. I don't know how they did it, but literally everything was in-house. Uh, and then I freelance and then I started an agency. So sometimes I'm a little naive to the to the impressions or like bad reps that agencies can get or you know sometimes people will say something like oh okay I that that's where that's coming from and I also think we just operate different than a normal agency um we we like to really embed ourselves in a team in a client team that we're working with and we try to be like real partners and what that means is like we might make a suggestion or share an idea that we're not the ones to execute and like, that's okay. Someone else can do it. Um, so sometimes I think people are a little surprised or find it a little refreshing that we don't quite operate like an agency. We really do care and we don't take on very many clients at a time. We like to go deep with a few clients. So, you know, we don't, we're not like overworked and I've, I have worked with like dev agencies where it's just like this, you just got to be a squeaky wheel or nothing gets done. And that's not how we operate, but yeah, I think sometimes I'm a little naive about agencies in general. No, that's totally fair. And, and it, obviously it sounds like based on what you're saying that your clients have really appreciated that approach, not taking on too many at one time and really getting deep and, and being partners. So I'm sure that they appreciate that. And I think that also is evident in the, you know, range and variety of clients that you've worked with at various stages of growth and across different categories. So on that note, I'm curious what have you seen in terms of differences between companies across those different categories and segments and stages of growth in their approach to product marketing? Yeah, definitely. Let me share. Yeah, so I'm going to share kind of early stage, uh, kind of growth stage and enterprise companies. And there's different focuses, opportunities, and challenges at, at every stage. And so early stage, and what I mean by early stage is, you know, pre-seed, uh, maybe up to series A, uh, the product marketing focus there is naming, 
you know, product naming, feature naming, positioning, messaging, finding that product market fit, some early customer acquisition, trying to build customer relationships, onboarding, make sure you keep the customers that you actually land. Um, and the opportunities in the early stage are pretty big. You can make a big impact on the org. You can have really tight relationships with product and sales. Um, but there are challenges like really small budget and it's going to be DIY everything. You're going to be probably a one man band and have to do everything yourself with very little team support. Um, so that's kind of the early stage that I've seen. Then on the growth stage, and I'll call this like series B through series D, let's say, um, tend to shift your focus to working with demand gen or growth marketers. You're going to do product launches. You might be supporting a, a rebrand of the, of the company. Pricing and packaging becomes really important. Um, you'll have a lot more data available to you, so you'll be able to leverage that in your decisions. And then you might start getting exposed to things like account-based marketing, or you'll be doing a lot of cross-selling, upselling, and focusing on reducing churn. And then opportunities in the mid-stage, you know, I think mid-stage is really fun because there's a lot of opportunity, but a little more budget and support. Um, so you can, you know, like your hands aren't tied all the time. Um, but opportunities in the growth stage are more resources and options for executing unique, splashy work. You know, if you want to do something creative, you might have the budget and the manpower to do it. You still get to work closely with product and do strategic work that's really core to the business. And you can grow your personal brand, you know, in and out of the org. Um, that, you know, that was what happened with me at Intercom. I was able to write this blog post and it kind of got me a little bit of notoriety in the PMM space. Um, challenges are often are where does PMM fit in the company and how does it operate in the org? Um, bigger campaigns with more coordination um, are usually required, but PMM often doesn't control time and goals of the contributors that they're leading to do a launch. So, for example, when I was at Intercom and we launched Operator, which is the bot that lives in the messenger, you know, I was keeping a list. There's 65 direct stakeholders that need to be informed and contributing, but none of them report to me. Um, you know, so how do I influence those people to contribute and do things on time when I'm not their boss? Um, so that can be a challenge. And then just keeping things aligned when so much is going on um, is another challenge at the growth stage. And then for enterprise, you know, I'm calling this, you know, after series D publicly traded or someone or a company gearing up for an IPO. Um, it's usually all about segmentation, verticalization, you know, so really focusing on certain industries or um, PMMs maybe will focus on enterprise products versus early stage products, or maybe they're focusing on, you know, a suite of products that are targeting the healthcare space or, you know, what have you. Um, you're often dealing with acquisitions. So when I worked with Diligent, uh, they had done 14 acquisitions in the past two years, and they need to figure out how to tell one solution story for 14 companies and then get their sales org who were all selling one product to now sell a suite, like a whole platform, and that's very difficult. Um, often sales training, um, working with a really big publicly traded company now, they have a sales kickoff. It's 2,000 people who are attending, and those are just the like elite salespeople. So you have a lot of people to be thinking about in training. Um, and then also in the enterprise space, you might be thinking about new markets, you know, maybe companies are targeting domestic, U.S. domestic, but they're trying to expand maybe to Latin America, maybe doing localization. Um, opportunities in the enterprise space is that you have a big brand recognition, everybody knows who you are, you're well-funded, you're well-staffed, you probably have work-life balance um, and a great like total compensation package. 
Um, but the challenges are that there's a lot of bureaucracy. It makes work very slow. Brand and legal have a lot of say on like literally everything. You know, there's some companies that have are so far along that legal has to review every single landing page that goes out or every single email that goes out. And like, holy hell, is that time consuming? Um, and then working within existing paradigms and processes, you know, some of these big companies, people have working been working there for a really long time. Um, as a PMM like myself, who's kind of post digital transformation, like I don't really know what digital transformation is because I've never worked at a company that wasn't like already digital. Um, so there can be a lot of challenges there. And then collaboration can get harder um, because there's just so many people and politics. That was long, but maybe more helpful. No, incredibly helpful. I think that's such a great overview. And I think to any of our listeners who found that as informative as I just did, I know you've got a, a nice um, blog write-up about exactly that topic. Um, so for anybody looking to learn more, or even if they're considering what kind of company they themselves want to work at as a PMM, I think that's an incredibly helpful framework to kind of get a sense of the types of opportunities and challenges they might face. I know you also just launched a newsletter as well, which I uh, recently subscribed to myself. And I know you sent out oh, your first Oh, bless one. your heart. Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> I'm happy to, uh, happy to do that. And uh, the first one I know went out just a couple of weeks ago, I think. So yeah. for anybody looking to stay up to date with what the team at All of Iron is doing or, or just get some great insight, like the insight you just shared with us just now, uh, definitely subscribe to that newsletter. Um, I'm curious, <laughs> as you were talking and kind of listing out some of the challenges and opportunities, have you ever partnered with a client where they've approached you with a specific problem and challenge and you've kind of looked at it where they are relative to their own stage of growth and felt maybe this isn't really what you should be focusing on right now. Actually, you really should be focusing on this. And of course, you don't have to name any names, but I'm I'm curious if that's ever uh, yeah. happened to you. Yeah, well, a lot of early stage companies will come to us and they're like, we need a sales pitch deck. I'm like, no, you need a positioning and messaging guide because <laughs> we can't write a pitch deck for you until we know what the heck it is you've built and who you're selling to and why it's different. So we usually like force their hand and make them shift there. There have been companies that, you know, I've kind of talked them out of having an agency or hiring an agency just because like, yeah, they have plenty of funding and they have deep pockets because they just raised money, but they don't have the internal resources to, to support an agency. So, you know, they themselves, like there's not alignment across the founders. And so they're just like burning cash with us because they aren't all on the same page. Or, you know, we have a lot of muscle to offer and get a lot of work done, but they don't have time to review the work. So then it all just stagnates and gets stuck. Or, you know, or they just have really high expectations about, us understanding their product and their industry if it's a very, very specialized space. And I'm just like, hey, look, no one knows your customers and your space and your product as well as you do. If you don't have the time to impart that to your team or to us, like this is a waste of money and like we're expensive. So you should just stop blowing money on this until you can get your own house in order because you know, an agency can definitely help you with fresh frameworks and put some muscle behind something. But like, if you don't know what you're trying to accomplish, then I can help you and probably no one else can. Got to work that out in-house. Yeah, and again, I, I think it's so refreshing to hear that from someone who leads their own agency because I think, you know, again, not in my own experiences and working at the agency that I worked at, but in observing other agencies and hearing stories, I think the 
kind of focuses always on billable hours, right? We just got to drive. Yeah, let me take your money. <laughs> exactly, right? Without necessarily considering, is this a good fit? Are we actually going to be able to deliver value or are we actually going to get work done? So it's great to hear that, you know, at Olivine, it sounds like those conversations are happening all the time. And I'm sure, again, your, your clients, either the ones that you sign or the ones that you, you know, politely turn away are very appreciative of that. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> at least they wouldn't uh, tell you to their face, to your face if they weren't, so. <laughs> So we just spent a little bit talking about the differences between some of the clients that you've had and based on the various stages of growth that they are themselves at. I'm curious, what are some of the similarities that you've observed in working with such a you know wider range of companies um, yourself? Yeah, I mean, there's a few things and I, you know, I see for product marketing, especially I see a lot of templates, I see a lot of blog posts, I see a lot of resources and courses out there, but I think that the real kind of juice for product marketing is the ability to build relationships and influence people. Um, and the reason I say that is because product marketing sits at the intersection of product sales and marketing. And, you know, so many times you show up and they're like, yeah, I don't know what you do. <laughs> and if you can't explain that well and how you've been able to help them, it's just really hard to get anything done. Um, and like I said before, you know, sometimes you're in charge of these really cross-functional really cross-functional work, like strategically shifting positioning, messaging, you know, that's not just you in a room. You're working with executive leadership, you're working with sales, you're working with product. Um, and so if you can't convince people in, you know, of your ideas or your new frameworks to try, if you can't influence people and communicate your ideas, you're really going to be stuck because product marketing, I do feel like you have to have that extra special sauce. Um, otherwise you're just not going to get anywhere. Um, Another thing is just understanding landscape, product, and customers. Um, a lot of people skip over this because they're busy and they show up at their first job and they're like, okay, I got to like prove my value and get something done uh, and execute something or like, you know, I got to announce this feature or whatever. And like definitely no matter, you know, what industry I work in, if I take the time to understand like who they are, what their product is, who their customers are, um, things just go a lot better. Being a great writer, um, you know, and this is my critique of growth marketers. I think growth marketing is also having a, a moment and it's very intriguing. Um, but I do often see sometimes growth marketers, there's not great writers and it really holds them back. Um, and so, you know, product marketers write all the time, sales decks, you know, email campaigns, social media, whatever you're writing, you're just like constantly writing. So, being a great writer never hurts. Um, and then lastly, just being super organized to lead, you know, launches or whatever you're doing that's involving the whole company. You know, if you're thinking about the end-to-end -end user experience, you're with thinking about, you know, demand gen at the top of the funnel and you're working with the brand team, you know, coming down the line here, you're talking to like sales and, you know, first touch customers, onboarding customers, you know, you're working through the whole funnel, which means you're working through the whole organization. So you know, if you can't get along with people and like add value there, you're just going to be like dead in the water. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, as you were speaking, there was one kind of point that really stood out to me because it's something that we as a team in my current uh, organization are really thinking thoughtfully about. And, um, you know, you mentioned about understanding the landscape and product and the customers before just diving headfirst into things. We're talking about kind of slowing down to speed up. Like, yes, there's always going to be a need for specific resources or projects that need a lot of attention, 
But if as a product marketing team, you can't take the time to actually like take a step back and think and do the research, talk to customers, understand com the competition, your product and how you kind of compare. Um, you might think that you're getting a lot of stuff done by crossing off those tactical things, but in the long term, you're really just never gaining the momentum you need to truly add impact. So I, I really want to reiterate that point because I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with that one. And again, like something that I know I'm experiencing right now. I could add a little anecdote there. Um, when I was working with Envoy, uh, they're the workplace experience app. They have like the visitor check-in and the, the rooms and deliveries management and whatnot. Um, I've been reading these kind of sales reports, sales telling, trying to inform the marketing team about what was going on in the market. And they were saying that, you know, the average customer was a little bit old school and was kind of new to technology. And they were kind of saying it gently, probably even more gently than that. And I kind of didn't really know what they meant. And I was just kind of, was kind of ignoring it, <laughs> like, I was, which was super crappy of me, but I just wasn't really tuned into that. And then I was sitting on this like spree of sales calls one week. And by the way, sitting on sales calls is like dating. You can't just like meet the level of your life after one sales call. You have to listen to a lot of them. Sometimes PMMs will be like, I went to two and they weren't useful. So I'm never doing it again. I'm like, well, got to do more. Um, but anyway, this customer was asking, this prospect was asking a question about the product release cycle and was kind of asking in this like, aha, I gotcha tone. And then they're like, yeah, so you make product updates every year, right? And I'm thinking to myself like, yeah, dude, we'll ship it to you in a box. Like, and it was that kind of like click moment where everything the sales team had been saying to me, but wasn't really, I wasn't really understanding. I was like, oh, this person does not understand like agile software development and that shipment, like product gets released every day, every week, like just didn't, and it like totally changed my, like my approach to messaging, onboarding materials, like, you know, holy hell, someone doesn't realize that there's agile software development that things get deployed like weekly or daily, like, okay, that is good to know. I love that story. Yeah. And I, I think it's so representative of the fact that, you know, like you said earlier on in our conversation, product marketing is kind of having its moment. It's a thing now, but it's also still a very young thing. And because I think a lot of product marketers tend to be, you know, millennials or younger generations that have always grown up with technology. I think to your point, we kind of take for granted that some of the customers we're selling into are not digital natives, are not as comfortable as technology as we might think that they are. So I think that's a great kind of story to, to remind us as product marketers that, yeah, don't take that kind of stuff for granted because if you are and your customer is really struggling, it's going to make your job that much harder if you're not acknowledging that. So I thank you for sharing that because I think, uh, you know, yeah. often as product marketers, we need to be reminded of that. Awesome. So I got one more question here about, you know, the work that you do at Olivine um, and, and how that kind of applies to your observations about product marketing. And that's around the type of companies that tend to seek you out and your services proactively. I know, obviously, you mentioned that you're very thoughtful about the type of clients that you take on and the type of work that you can do for them. But is there a pattern or a specific need that you've seen come up more often um, that uh, you've been able to address uh, as an agency? Yeah, I mean, I think product first companies come to us a lot because, you know, maybe they tried hiring a freelance marketer before and their product was very technical. And so they just really need that extra expertise. 
Um, that technically happens. And then, you know, companies struggling with positioning and messaging, I, you know, I think a, a company who knows they're struggling with positioning and messaging is already like way above and beyond, like way ahead of the game because, you know, some, some founders, like they don't even know really what that is or like why they need it. Um, I would say I would pivot that away from like Olivine and the agency topic too, is just like any company that's hiring product marketers in general tends to be a bit more product first. You know, they maybe understand that like, oh, we really need someone to translate and communicate the value of what this is. Cause it's not just like a social media app that just, you know, anyone can start using. It's like a little bit more, you know, technical and understanding. And then you know, buyers are just so much more savvy these days. They, you know, they're not just buying whatever they, whatever ad gets hit to them first. Like they're pretty informed. And so I think companies will start seeing, oh, like, come, you know, I'm trying to pitch my, my product, but no one really knows what it is, you know, and this happens a lot. We'll come in with a new client. They'll be like, give us this like glossy pitch. I'm like, yeah, but what is it? <laughs> and, you know, and if people are realizing they're having a hard time saying that they start being, start trying to figure out like, well, who can help me solve this problem? And so it's, it's often product marketers. Um, so I think any, com you know, any company that's looking for product marketers is already kind of has an edge because they know that there's this kind of puzzle piece in the middle that they need to connect a bunch of different orgs. And I think that only reinforces, again, it seems super obvious when you say it and how important positioning and messaging really is to the success of an organization. I think to your point, a lot of founders um, may not understand that, or even, you know, companies that are more mature and are at a certain stage of their life. If they haven't had someone in-house or an agency like you know, yours come in and say, Hey, I don't really get what you're trying to say to me here. Like, yeah, I'm sure in your head, it makes sense. But when you say it out loud, you lose the entire room. Um, so, you know, if, if a company can't do that, like you said, in kind of that setting of, hey, just let's get in a room and explain it to me. That's a big, not necessarily a red flag as in like, oh my God, panic mode, but it's something that they need to be aware of. And it's, it's uh, I think just reinforces how important good positioning and messaging really is. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Rachel, listen, this has been a great conversation. I mean, I can keep talking to you about all things product marketing and agency life probably for the next several hours, but we'll, we'll call it here. Um, and to do that, I'll ask you my last question, which is one that I ask all of my guests. And that's, okay. you know, if you could, you know, be a product marketer or even take on a client of any kind and work on a specific solution or product, what would it be and why? I was having like an oh shoot moment when I scrolled down to the docs and I was like, oh my God, I've never thought about this before. It's kind of, kind of a hard question to ask. And definitely something in the like doing good space. And so I'm actually going to call out a new client of ours because I genuinely like had no idea about this problem. And now that I know about it, I'm like, oh my God, we have to fix this. Um, so recently started working with a company called Safer. They're part of Thorn, which is Ashton Kutcher's um, nonprofit for um, eliminating child sex abuse content um, and child sex trafficking from the world. And so Safer is their SaaS product that helps any company that has user-generated content identify, flag, and remove child sex abuse content. Um, you know, product marketers, we, you know, there's big splashy companies who are doing really well, 
But like, let's be honest, I don't think we need any more data dashboards. Like we've seen them, we've seen them all. Um, and so, you know, it's a privilege uh, to work on something that's doing good and that's really doing important work. So I don't just say safer, even though I feel like a total douche for calling out one of our own clients. I'm just so excited and honored to work on this problem. And there's a ton of, you know, world problems that need working on, but it's, it's really cool to get to work on something so important. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. I think that's such an important initiative. So I, I commend you for taking them on as a client and for the work that they're doing. I'll definitely have to check them out because like you said, that's a, as a parent myself, that's an issue that, um, you know, especially as my kids get older and start using the internet, that I think every parent at some point, you know, is, is thinking about. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you're 100% right. I think that's kind of an element of deciding what your next product marketing job might look like or where your next career step is that gets missed. We often to your point, think about, well, how big is the company? Did they IPO? Did, what was their latest funding round? What kind of products did they ship? Do, do, have I used products? And I think that's all important to consider, but I think you might want to ask yourself at the same time, like what impact are we having on the world by doing this work? And I think right now, because of what's going on across the planet, across a variety of different parts of daily life, um, we need to be asking ourselves that more. So I, again, I, I commend you for for that answer. And, and I couldn't agree with you more that that's definitely something that, um, you know, I myself in the work that I do right now at, at Jobber, I'm, I'm proud to say that we're making an impact positively on our customers' lives and helping them run more successful businesses. But yeah, I, I definitely think there are some big, important societal issues that if they just got the right attention from the right people, maybe a couple of smart product marketers um, might not necessarily solve those problems, but at least take us up in the right direction and help as best that we can. So I, I love that answer. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks for asking. Awesome. Well, I'll let you go here. Like I said, I could keep talking to you off for, for hours, but uh, I know you're a busy person and you can do this again next year. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'd love to do that. So if, if any of our listeners want to reach out to you or maybe even partner with Olivine in a more professional capacity, where can they reach out? How can they connect with you? Where can they find you? Yeah. I mean, hit me up on LinkedIn directly, Rachel Lambert spelled R-A-E. So I think if you get that part, you'll probably find me. Um, or you can reach out to us through our website, olivinemarketing.com. Awesome. Well, yeah, like I said, it's been great chatting with you and I definitely might take you up on that offer uh, to uh, reconnect in the ear and hear all the amazing clients that you've worked with and all the great work that you and the team are doing. Thanks. I really had a blast, Mark. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. For everyone still tuned in, thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer and you want to come on the show and speak about your day, a specific topic, or your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, if you or your company want to sponsor an episode, there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are.